You're listening to a Catholic news podcast from the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales. Why not use iTunes to subscribe to our podcast? Simply search for Catholic News in the iStore. Today's Catholic News podcast looks at love, loss and coping. In December 2017, we spoke to BBC business journalist Sally Bundock, co-presenter of the flagship programme Business Live. Sadly, Sally lost her husband Paul after a courageous eight-year battle with cancer. All the more devastating considering Sally and Paul have three young children. What you're about to listen to is Sally's moving and inspiring story. Well, my husband was diagnosed with incurable stage four cancer about eight years ago. He and I are the same age, we're both 38. And at the time we just had Samuel and Aaron and Samuel was age five and Aaron was three. And we were very shocked at the time because of course we had no idea. My husband was so unwell. It's the same cancer that Steve Jobs had. It's very unusual. It's called carcinoid tumours and it's something the, they can only fix by, by cutting out tumours and, and getting rid of the cancer that way, which in Paul's case they couldn't do, it spread too much. So we weren't sure what the outlook was. We as Christians were really hopeful that um, with God's divine intervention we would see something miraculous, a healing or something of that nature. So with the children we just always felt from the outset that we needed to be as open as we possibly could. We're always open about our faith with the children anyway, and we all go to church together as a family. So we just talked to them about the fact that daddy's unwell and daddy needs special medicine and treatment to try and get better, but also that we're praying for daddy and and we're trusting in God and we're believing in, in Jesus to help daddy with this sickness. So we were with the boys right from the get go, very open about everything, very open about appointments, about treatment. And that's how we approached it. And I think that was, looking back, that was the best way to do it because there was never any fear in them from what we could tell of of what they didn't know, what we weren't telling them or anything going on behind the scenes. I think they felt like they were with us on the journey. Were there any occasions where the kids asked difficult questions of you or both of you? Yeah, lots of occasions, I think. But I think that's true of parenting in general. I think children ask us difficult questions all the time. And my policy and Paul's policy was always just be really honest. And if we don't know the answers, we just say we don't know the answers. And I mean, some of the questions they would ask us are things like, you know, why hasn't God healed daddy? And that's a really tough question to answer. And I just say, well, I actually don't know why why God isn't healing daddy quickly or straight away or why he didn't heal daddy. But I I do know that, you know, that God's got our best interests at heart and he's he's there all the time with us through this journey. And today, right now, God is good and he's with us and he's caring for us as we tackle this problem. Were there ever any problems in school? Did you notice any problems with relationship forming, schoolwork, any of those things? No, I didn't actually. I think the boys have always been really secure. They've been in a real place of peace because Paul and I were always in a place of peace. And although it was difficult what we were tackling for sometimes, on several occasions, Paul had very toxic radiation therapy, which meant that 
he couldn't actually be near us as a family, physically near us for three week periods. I mean, I was sleeping in a separate room. The children couldn't sit on his lap or go near him. Now, Paul has been a very, from the get go, was a very hands-on dad because I work for the BBC. I do very unusual hours. So actually in the morning before school, daddy was the only one at home. I mean, he did everything for them. So it was unusual for the boys to not be close to him, be near him. And, and that, that was tricky for them. But I think really from from the age that they can remember, this has been the situation for them. So it's not unusual for them at home. And I think at school, we're, you know, we're in a very small primary school and we just kept dialogue with the teachers and with everybody involved, his friends, his friends' parents. And everybody was with us in this. They all wanted us to to do this as best we possibly could and see the best possible outcome. I'm very struck. Obviously, I, I don't know Paul, but I, I'm very struck by the fact that he, he does sound like very hands on, very positive, even in the face of, of all that. He was. I mean, I have to say, I look back now, not realising just how ill he was. There were times I know when he was in incredible pain, pain that they couldn't control or manage sometimes. Also, he was having extreme sickness sometimes. And yet, he just cracked on and put on a brave face. I mean, I was working throughout the whole story, partly because he was self-employed and he wasn't earning an income when he wasn't working. So it was important that I kept working. We kept, you know, our financial house in order, as it were. But he was just phenomenal, really. And he sort of drew deep from a resource inside, which I have to say was God's grace, God's peace, God's strength, all of those things. And actually... His own closeness to God was just so evident towards the end. I mean, he was a different person because of this journey. When you were telling me about the, you know, obviously the, the toxic nature of the treatment and those sort of practical difficulties of not being able to be as close as you'd like to be, did that frustrate him, not being able to hug the boys and things Absolutely. like that? Absolutely. It was a huge frustration to him. Also, I was pregnant with our third child, so the team looking after Paul at, at um, King's College Hospital in London were really concerned about the impact on the unborn child as well, this radiation. So he he did find that extremely frustrating. And the boys would every now and then just leap on him, you know, and try and climb into bed with him or whatever. It was tricky. But for us at the time, it was a small price to pay because I do believe that that treatment gave him more time with us. It, um, it managed the cancer, I mean, some of the tumours were shrinking, so he was responding really well to it. So from our point of view, I mean, it was a small price to pay. And forward winding a bit, seven and a half years or so, things deteriorated and then Paul ended up in, in a hospice towards the end. Yeah, he deteriorated a lot this year and it became clear to me and Paul that things were not normal at all. And we had a lot of help and support from a, a local charity in Buckinghamshire called Ian Rene, who were fantastic who helped us at home as much as possible in terms of support and care. But he did end up in, in hospital care and then hospice care for 10 weeks before he died. The care was amazing, but also even his medical team were not really across how ill he was. I mean, we were told in the May of this year that the cancer hardly had progressed. He died June the 30th. And when he died, it was clear actually it had gone rampant. So. You know, we were not prepared in many ways for what was to come. We were not given any kind of time frame at all. We were very much in the dark in many ways. But towards the end, you know, I was told time and time again, you know, you've got hardly any time. It's a week. It's a couple of weeks. 
my husband and I were absolutely transfixed with prayer, with our faith, with our trust in a in a miraculous God, in a healing God. And so I was kind of closing my ears to all those voices, and so was he. But um, he got extremely ill at the end, and he got an infection at the end. And um, so he he actually went home, which at the time was extremely difficult to digest, but it was a huge relief as well because his body was so, so sick. Do you know what I find amazing? Listening to you talking positively about faith under these circumstances where you've lived life and you've both continued to live life right up until the, the very end for Paul. Some people, even myself and my brother died young, started to question things. I personally found it took me the other way. I got a bit closer to God. Tell me a little bit about how, what it did to your faith. Well... I think it's difficult now. I'm still I'm still going through it. I'm still trying to make sense of it all and I'm aware that I probably will never make sense of it. I think for me the fantastic thing about our faith is as I explained to the boys when when Paul was in the hospice and clearly he was extremely sick. I mean the boys obviously are seeing their daddy every day in there and and they can see the difference in him. And you know, I said to the boys at the time, I said, "Okay boys, whatever happens now, it's a win-win. This is as bad as this is going to get because either daddy's going to get better and he's going to come home and we'll help him get stronger here or he's going to go to heaven and be with Jesus. And if he goes to heaven, he's going to have a brand new body, pain-free, disease-free. He's going to be in a place that is way better than we can even conceive or imagine. And we'll join him when it's our time. So I sort of prepared them that way for whatever the outcome might be. But that's absolutely what I believe in my heart, that Paul now is just having the most awesome time. And, um, you know, when it's my time and the kids' time, we'll, we'll be there too with him. And that's the good news of believing in Jesus Christ. You know, death has lost its sting because of the price he paid on the cross. We do have eternal life. And I think I was looking for Paul to be with me now and you know for us to have a long life together and retirement and all that sort of wonderful stuff you dream about but I'm realizing that you know actually this life we're experiencing here is really a blink of an eye in comparison to our eternal story and so I'm sort of coming to terms with that in terms of my questions about God and all that stuff well you know when people come to me and tell me that this person's sick or that person's sick or whatever I do think to myself, well, you know, I've been praying for eight years. <laughs> I, I didn't get the outcome I was looking for, but you know, God is God, you know. I still believe in him, I still trust him, I still look to him, I still see his amazing grace every day, I still see him answering my prayers. That prayer, no, not the answer I thought I was gonna get, wanted to get, but you know, in time I'll understand, in time I will, realize what it's about i mean it says in the bible doesn't it we just we just see a dim reflection in a mirror we don't see the full story that's incredible just in terms of some of those practicalities you know the pain and the grief which is there no matter what how did the boys cope after their father died well i think we handled the whole thing extremely well when paul actually died i was actually with him on my own in the hospice it was on a friday evening and paul's identical twin brother was with my boys so I rang up uh, Paul's brother and I said bring the boys here and we all had time together in the room with Paul and I told the boys to just climb on the bed give him a huge hug 
say your goodbyes because one thing that they couldn't do was was hug their dad because he was in so much pain especially around the liver where the cancer was so they all did that they shed some tears they were upset but we all prayed together we all thanked God together and then I left my brother-in-law behind to sort of do all the kind of admin and the cleaning up and all that kind of stuff and I went out with the boys the four of us went out for dinner and we had a big chat together and my youngest son who's six he said you know what we should do mummy when we get home I think we should break bread together as a family I said you know what Tom that's such a great idea that's something we would do as a family anyway the five of us when when Paul was alive we did that quite regularly as as our own sort of prayer time and thanks to Jesus so when we got back to our home we all broke bread together, the four of us, and then, you know, they had a bath and, and they went to bed. And then we had a really lovely weekend together. And I think the boys are so at peace with where their daddy is. They really know who Jesus is because they've grown up. We've talked about him. He's a part of our everyday world. That I think they're really okay with what's happened. And there'll be times when they will be very, very sad he's not physically here to see them in the nativity play or watch them cross the finish line in the race or see them get their graduation or whatever it might be, walk down the aisle at the wedding. There's going to be those events and those big things that they will wish he was here. But ultimately, they are absolutely at peace about his story and how things have gone for him. I think when they grow up and they're adults, they will go over it again and they might have, you know, a bereavement process to go through. But at the moment, they are just doing so well. And I'm, I'm really pleased with how they are. But I know we've got an army of family and friends praying for us all the time. And I know those prayers are being answered. So that's a big part of it as well. Oh, that's amazing. That's a testament to yours and, of course, Paul's parenting. That's wonderful. I did want to finish with one odd question. Now, you're sort of, as an experienced business news anchor and journalist slightly public property you know social media we know that we know it's there it's you know you have a, a persona you obviously you're very public in that sense I did notice you put a very dignified tweet out in June you didn't didn't name your husband as, as, as the person who had died I thought that was wonderful but how do you cope with that public property side when you yourself and your children are trying to grieve well, the reason I didn't name Paul in in my tweet was because I I just didn't I didn't want I didn't want it to become my story or or, or me sort of desperately trying to get everybody's uh, sympathy and empathy. It wasn't about that. I just wanted to explain to the viewers why I was not on screen and that I would be coming back. And people have asked questions since. I'm extremely open with people, especially here at the BBC. They have been magnificent in their support and care and I'm really open with my colleagues because prior to Paul dying I was open with them about our faith and our trust that he wouldn't die <laughs> so that as well is quite a sort of difficult sort of scenario to work through but I'm just really really open if people ask me they ask me I mean I did a conference for example in October in Norway and there was an audience of seven and a half thousand people and I was interviewing Will Smith the actor from Hollywood for an hour and we were talking about his movie Collateral Beauty which came out in 2016 which is all about bereavement and in the film he plays a father who's lost a six-year-old daughter to cancer and how he really doesn't cope with that journey so as part of that interview I told him about my husband and I told him about our situation and how me and the boys watched his movie and how we felt about his movie in the light of our loss and so following on from that of course that then leads to lots of questions and tweets and social media conversations but 
I'm very open about talking about it, but I'm not sort of putting it out there as, you know, this is my story because I'm very conscious that we are all going to die and we are all experiencing this in one way or another. And so it's everybody's story. It's not my story that I want to sort of shout on the rooftops about, if that makes sense. And finally, Sally, some people might not be able to handle it quite as clearly or as well, if well is the right word, as, as you and Paul did. What would you say to another mum or even another dad that's looking at the very same situation and just a little bit beside themselves and, and really not knowing where to start with it? Well, I have to say that for Paul and myself, if we did this without a loving God, a caring God, a, a providing God, a, a God of strength, I have no idea how we would have done it. And I, I really don't know how well we would have done it. And I, I really give God the glory for how well this journey has been. And I'm on this journey now for a while to go still, as, as I'm very aware, and, and the children are. So we have been honest and we've been open and we've asked for help everywhere and anywhere where people have been alongside to support us. We've thanked them and we've grabbed it with both hands. And that's been brilliant for the children as well because they've had this huge support around them of of us, our family, extended family, friends and neighbours, our church family. So that's partly why they're feeling so secure because they're not alone in this. It's not just me and them now. It's We're a part of a big family who, who are all caring and, and loving in this situation. And I would just say, don't be fearful and don't worry. The Bible says, do not worry about tomorrow. It's brilliant advice. It does not help you in any way whatsoever. And just keep your eyes fixed on the good. I kept my eyes firmly on Jesus. What does he say about my situation? What does the Bible say about my situation? And I stopped listening to everything that was negative and that was going to fill me with fear or concern. To a degree, that was the doctors. You know, I'd listened to what they had to say. Obviously, it was very important what they have to say. And we did follow their advice to a great degree. But we kind of attacked it with, you know, with medicine, with prayer, with faith, and with our own sort of strength and love. And, and we, we got to where we are. And that's the best advice I, I can give. But just be really kind to yourself. Try not to worry. And please don't allow fear to creep in. Sally Bundock there with some very practical and useful advice. If you'd like to hear more from the Catholic Bishops' Conference of England and Wales, why not visit our website, www.catholicnews.org.uk.